Who is Coach Mike? Coach Mike, very nice guy. He's a good softball coach. He's sincere. He's the dumbest smart guy I've ever known. Upbeat, optimistic, good-natured, always looking on the bright side of things. Wow, thank God he didn't say that I had a face for radio. But then what do you expect for $5 these days? Just can't hire good help. Hey, in all seriousness aside, stay tuned for the Weed Whacker podcast where I will be discussing almost any subject and bringing in guests to hash out and get rid of all the weeds. We're going to clear the path for your success in whatever it might be you need. Your life, your business, your politics, your religion. We're going to bring it all right here to the Weed Whacker. podcast. I'm Coach Mike, and I am here today to invite you to join me and my guests as we clear the path for your success. We're going to dig deep into various topics. Almost nothing will be off limits. Well, some things might be. Instead of just throwing around a bunch of back and forth that doesn't get anywhere. Like one of my guests says, he doesn't like to waste time. So we're not going to do that. Clarence is one of my guests, and he's here to help me introduce the weed whacker and throw out some of the topics we got. Clarence, what topics do you think are important to discuss? Well, first I want to say that I like your intro music. And I like your and I like your enthusiasm. Now let's see if we can put some substance into this program, and I'm sure you can. Uh, we we we've sort of emailed back and forth uh, on a on a couple of topics and I think uh, I think one of them, since you are clearing the weed so that people can focus on their success, is uh, you want to define what you think is worth a coach's time to coach in Ooh, yeah. attaining what a person might think is success. You may not agree with everything that you know an individual thinks is successful. I think we mentioned philandering. You probably have no desire to coach someone to be a successful philanderer. Now, perhaps... Does it pay? (laughs) Is that your lowest common denominator? (laughs) It seems to be for a lot of people these days, that's for sure. You know, it probably is, and maybe that might be the mark of a successful podcast is to find that lowest common denominator and go there. But, <laughs> but I'm not certain that that's what you want to do. And hopefully you'll have a little bit different audience than that. And maybe you want to tell us what type of audience you're, you're thinking that you can help. Well, me, myself, and I, all three of me, the best thing is anything to do with um, customer service, anything to do with 
people people just struggling. I mean, I my expertise is customer service and public speaking, but in marketing, like using those things to market. But again, what's more important is is what the customer needs, the client needs. And there's some things I would have to say, you know, I can't help you on, and there's others I can. I think I think we talked a little bit earlier about the idea of um, uh, negativity and, and encouragement. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of encouragement that is flat, that doesn't have substance behind it as you use the word there. But I think there's a lot of people that just get stuck in the weeds, so to speak, and need to come on whack, clear away the stuff that isn't really causing the problem. And let's see if we can't at least get them focused in the right direction. I think I can help almost anybody with that. What is your idea of success? Well, early on, my ideal deal of success was to be financially independent. And the reason I thought that was important was to establish freedom. Now, I recognize that, you know, there are things that are more important than financial independence. I mean, your financial independence doesn't mean much if you're unhealthy. So it's physically, or I know you would jump in there and say spiritually. <laughs> but just as a base, you know, young human being looking for what success was, uh, I, I think it, I think, I think the bottom line was financial freedom, financial independence, and so much freedom uh, flows from that. I mean, a I think lot most of, of us start that way, don't you? I don't think so. I mean, I think I think a lot of people uh, think, well, my goal is to be a doctor, or my goal is to be a, be a mechanic, or my goal is to get out of this dead town, as I used to hear some of my friends say. <laughs> they didn't know why or how they were going to do it or what made another town so so much more alive. They just knew that they wanted out of this dead town because there's nothing going on here. What town were you in that was dead? That was Vallejo, California, which was a great little town. Where's that? Vallejo, it's at the north end of the San Pablo Bay, which is connected to the San Francisco Bay. Oh, so okay. as the crow flies, it's probably only 25 or 30 miles, if that, from San Francisco. Okay, gotcha. So as a matter of fact, you can catch a ferry directly from uh, San Francisco to Vallejo or vice versa. So it was a, I th- you know, I look back at it, it was a great, great place. You know, I mean, these are kids that are 13 or 14 years old when you start forming these ideas or should start looking at or thinking about what you want to do. And, uh, you know, a lot of people thought because they were bored that the town was dead. Maybe it was their mind that was a little bit rotten. But <laughs> You know, you're not far. When I was in high school, because I was supposedly so good, well, I, I was very good in math and science. Okay. I was unfortunately a procrastinator and lazy, and my cousin thinks my aunt should have tested me for ADHD somewhere along the way. But everybody said I should be an engineer. Mm-hmm. If they weren't saying I should be a politician, a preacher, or a lawyer, because I talk a lot and have a big mouth, but the engineering side, there was this series of books in the library, and I don't remember the name of them. But they were all about careers. 
And none of them were very big. They were easy read. And I read every book on every kind of engineering, mechanical, industrial, electrical. And they all said one thing that I cared about then. When I get out of college, I'd make $100,000. You know, so great. Let me go be an engineer. Yeah. Right. I was accepted to Purdue. Of course, I was thinking MIT and Caltech. Mm-hmm. Um, I was accepted to Purdue. My grandmother said she would pay a year. My dad said he could only afford a year at that time. And back then, we didn't have all the easy student loans and everything. Right. My dad said he didn't want me going that far away and not being able to finish. So I stayed home and, and went to Arizona State. And I was a, I've been a diehard Sun Devil all my life. Mm-hmm. But I also had the proud distinction of getting a letter at the end of my freshman year that said, please go visit our fine junior college system here in Phoenix. And when you get your grades back up, come and see us. So, I went, you know, and today, knowing what I know now, I would have said, maybe appealed that and say, hey, look, give me another chance. And I probably could have got it. But I just went along with the rules, so to speak. So mm-hmm. I went to the junior colleges and. Try. It took me three times semesters to pra- to pass calculus, which I should have been a breeze at. So finally, I tried accounting, went into the, some of that, and I did okay. But pretty soon, I was realizing I was just going through the motions of going to school. Yeah, I got a job in the soda pop business, and well, a couple of thoughts. Okay. One, at least you didn't get that letter in Purdue with more expense attached to it yeah i would have been in trouble and and another question why were you such a jackass science inclination and talent you didn't apply yourself why were you such a jackass (laughs) and and i asked that i asked that because here you are with an inclination for math and science in high school. And right. apparently you, you didn't apply yourself. Why not? What, didn't need was, to at what first. was missing? Well, I didn't need to at first. What do you mean you didn't meet, need to? Freshman algebra. Okay, but at some point you needed to. Well, at some point I needed to, but see, it, you know, and this, I guess, goes along for the people that say we got to develop our habits in our kids. And mm-hmm. I never had, I never, for whatever reason, I never developed habits of really stick with something. If I couldn't do it, I just moved on to something else. So freshman algebra so, in high school, I got straight A's. And I did, if I didn't have to turn the homework in, I didn't. And I got straight okay. A's. In it. All right. So is it fair to say you never had a foot in your ass? Probably not enough. Okay. And so can we identify why? Because I think this, I'm not asking this just to be a smart aleck. I know you're not. I think this can help a lot of people. You hit the prime and, question in our email. You said, does Coach Mike need a coach? <laughs> well, I could ask another question. Yeah. When did Coach Mike need a coach? Yeah. And it sounds to me like Coach Mike needed a coach in high school. Well, I need, probably needed it before that. Yeah, I probably before, before that. that. Probably be before that. Now, was was your father in the picture? Oh yes, uh, my mom okay. would have. My mom died when I was ten. Oh, that's that's a sad story, and that 
that can affect people. Yes. Well, I found out later it, it did quite a bit more than I realized. Um, I was adopted to begin with, although mm-hmm. I always considered my mom and dad, my mom and dad. I never, I didn't even right. know I was adopted until I was probably 10 years old. Okay. Okay. And the only reason I found out is in the summers when I, we lived in Tempe and my aunt and uncle and my grandparents lived on the west side of Phoenix. So in the summer, I would go spend a couple of weeks with my cousins. And there was a kid living on the street. His name was Brad. And his parents were like, he was like 10 or 11, about the same age I was, maybe a year younger. And his parents were like 70. And I go, boy, that doesn't make any sense, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, my aunt or my cousin, somebody told me he was adopted. They said, I am too. Okay, you know, no big deal. When my mom died, I don't know if if I had already developed a, I don't know if it's a selfishness or an insensitivity or a numbness or what it was, but they would say that at at my mom's funeral that I was more interested in uh, getting home and playing with a dog or something. I don't remember what it was. So my dad remarried a few years later and... That didn't go so well for me. She was, oh, just great before my dad married her. She had three kids of her own. After he married her, she turned into the Wicked Witch of the West. How old were you? How old were you? I was in eighth grade. Okay. So she tried to put me in Arizona Boys Ranch, said I was incorrigible. Mm -hmm. And God has a plan for all of us, and I firmly believe that. And this is one reason I do. My aunt and uncle said, no, we'll take Mike. And I went to live with my aunt and uncle. And that's when I really started going to church. I did go to church before that. Mm-hmm. My mom and dad would take me sometimes, but not every week. And But my aunt and uncle, we were an American Lutheran every week in Phoenix. It wasn't until the 80s where, due to various personal issues, whatever, anywhere our, our church in California, in the 80s, we, we, we brought a guy into our uh, the broad group sessions. And of course, you say women did support groups, men don't, we don't talk, but this guy had men's groups. So between the times where we would all meet together and then we'd separate, you'd hear somebody talk about when they were younger, they'd been abused or whatever it might be. So sort of like an AA meeting, the leader would go around and and ask us, give us a turn, say what's going on and what can you remember? So I came to me and I said, you know, I, don't remember. I mean, I remember a lot about my childhood, but I don't remember, you know, big study. So what about when your mom died? Oh, my mom died. No big deal. No, no. And Dave, I think his name was Dave. He stopped me. He said, no, Mike, you don't get off that easy. Tell me about when your mom died. Now, keep in mind, I'm in my 30s now when we're doing this. When I was 10 years old and when my mom died from Hodgkin's disease, the last I saw of her was through a window at Tempe Community Hospital, because if you were under 14, you were not allowed in the hospital, even to visit your mom dying. My dad woke me up about two in the morning and told me she died. And I know I cried a lot and everything. How much that affected me. Sure. When I was in that group, and this is in my 30s, 20, 20 years later, that day, that night or whatever, I could not hardly tell that story I just told you. Yeah. Well, it sounds uh, understandable 
uh, it sounds like it sounds like certainly at some point during your formative years, junior high and and high school, there weren't really high expectations of you. Oh, the opposite, <laughs> the opposite, Clarence. Academically, every in every and you, you like to call me the was it the smartest dumb guy you know or something like that. It was, well, I had to change it. I can't remember what it started as. It was either, I think it was the dumbest smart guy I know. And then you found that, I started thinking, well, that's a little harsh, but I think it is better to be the dumbest smart guy than the smartest dumb guy. You're probably so right. I, yeah, I, I think it, put you on I think, your plate. I said, you're the, you're the, you're the, sometimes you are the dumbest smart guy that I know. Clarence, by, and this, like I said, I don't have a piece of paper that says this or anything. But I was told that my early days, I was my IQ when I was tested was over 140. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I know I know that you have a phenomenal memory. Well, bless from, that. The, from um, dealing with you. Yeah. And um, I do think you're a smart guy. And and I do and I do at times think you're the dumbest smart, smart guy. guy. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I was going. I went through the sixth grade to campus laboratory school, or also known as pain training. It was on the ASU campus. Mm -hmm. And we were basically guinea pigs for all the new, we got binary math before the public schools got it probably and everything else. Because ASU was originally Arizona State Teachers College. And mm -hmm. so every classroom we had little rooms in the end with one-way mirrors and they would bring the student teachers over and they got to observe us and all that stuff. So, I didn't find out until probably about five or six years ago, actually. There's a Facebook group of people who went to pain training. And I found out that there were a number of people talking there. It was a school supposedly for gifted kids, special kids. So, wow. But when I was young, I mean, I never thought about it. I mean, I, I remember when I was a kid, there was some of the kids would sometimes gang up on me and chased me at lunch. And I knew it was somebody who never wanted to fight. And so they'd call me a chicken or a coward. And part of the reason I didn't want to fight, because I, when I was up to about probably third or fourth grade, I was bigger than most kids my age. And I didn't want to hurt them. I didn't want to get yeah. into a fight because I was afraid I was going to hurt them. And so I'd go hide the bush. And I mean, part of me didn't care. And, you know, some of them would bully me. And, you know, back then bullying wasn't a thing, right? Right. It was just something that was part of life. Sometimes they make too much out of that. No, it was, I let a lot of people down because I should have been able to be the president of MIT by now or something like that. You know, I don't, you know, my friend, you know, Big Jack, my old friend out there passed away. Before, I know, before I know him. of him. I know of him. Well, you, know, well, you met him a couple of times. I did? Yeah, at okay. the softball field. Real big guy. Okay. Anyway, okay. he was my mentor. There are a few big guys in Southern California, you know that, but go ahead. <laughs> well, he, he actually worked at Rockwell. He was an engineer. He didn't have an engineering degree, but he was an engineer. And he laughed one time. He said he never, with my personality, he didn't see me as being an engineer material. Um, yeah. So I, I sort of get that. Uh, one of the other things we talk about often there, Clarence, is that politics get in the way of a lot of stuff, sometimes maybe too much. Before you go on, before you go on, okay, I, can I say one thing yes, that, that might be instructive? Okay, since we went since we went through you know a lot of thoughts here, 
And one of the things you mentioned was bullying. Bullying back then was just sort of a thing. And it still is sort of a thing. It's sort of like telling someone you're the dumbest smart guy they know sometimes. That's sort of a, but that's a. No, the so definition today is way different. Yeah, it's so it's so much different. I mean, there used to just be a little tit for tat, a little needling, a little back and forth, you know. But uh, yeah, it's it's oh, no, needling. No, I had kids change. Sometimes they'd get beat up a bit, not bad, but right. yeah, it was. I mean, I wouldn't get beat up to where I was all bloody or anything. It wasn't anything like that. That'll be a let that'll you, be a good subject to have one of yeah, these days. Exactly. Let me let you move on to politics. Yeah. Uh, Part of my feeling today, you know, for, I was in Toastmasters for many years and they talk, they say we shouldn't talk about politics, religion in our speeches and all that. And Wrong. I have a, I have a belief that that's one reason we got a problem today is we don't know how to talk to have civil discussions. So I agree with you. We're sort of on the same side, but with a very different perspective. Okay. How much do you think we should be paying attention or not paying attention to what's going on in politics? Unfortunately, most of what we hear in politics is noise. I guess the word I, I was looking for was signal. We should be looking for the signals in politics. And most of our politicians are very sorry communicators. And the system allows that, it creates that. And there's just way too much noise. So here is a great, a great area to, to, to whack a lot of weeds. Okay. You know, and... We started a discussion. We just started. We started a, a discussion. You and I just a day or two ago about McCarthy releasing the January sixth video footage. And yes. my feeling is that is that he's not living up to what he represented he was going to do, and that was that he was going to release to the public, and those things should be released to the public. We should be paying great attention and demanding things from any politician that we can influence. Now, unfortunately, my living in California. <laughs> you can't influence very much. <laughs> well, there's very much that, yeah, there doesn't seem to be much that I can influence because I don't share commonality with a great many of the constituents here. So, yeah, so McCarthy exposes and release those documents to Tucker Carlson. Don't know sure videos, uh, videos, videos, videos. That's right, videos. Yeah. Well, I would imagine they're saying transcripts, so I would think that would also go along with it. Maybe so, but I think the live footage is what they're actually talking about. Oh, sure. There's hours and hours of live footage from different areas, and that footage identifies a lot of the actions taken by both the the participants, by the by the police, by possible infiltrators. Well, we know they were infiltrators there. They found that out. Okay. The, okay. That's one thing that's hidden. They keep The other side keeps trying to minimize it down and like, oh, no, no, these are all Trump guys. Well, no, they weren't. The, the good guys, literally, were invited to come on in. I mean, I look back at that when I was a kid. Okay, I had, a, I had an aunt and uncle that lived in Pennsylvania. Okay? Another uncle and aunt mm -hmm. lived in Maryland. So... 60 and 64, we came back east. And when mm -hmm. I was a kid, we went we went to the Capitol. We went to the White House. I mean, I was bored to death because, I, you know, I did. We go to the all the Civil War battlefields, and all I wanted to do was dad to buy me one of those cannons that you could just put a cap in or something. But, you know, to me, it was very boring. 
but you could go into White House, you could go in Capitol and everything else. Of course, things have changed. Uh, shoot, I went through the Hershey chocolate plant. And you can't do that anymore. You know, they have a guest place you can go into. But, you know, they, they've got film and some of that they've had on Fox Nation uh, and some of the documentaries they've done there where the Capitol Police basically opened the door for a bunch of people. And and some of these people, they weren't thinking of some insurrection. They're, most of them, obvious, 90% of them weren't, obviously. Well, I would say, I would hope it would be more than that. Because if anyone in that group which my understanding was an un- right. unarmed Absolutely. group were thinking insur- insurrections. I would, I would think any serious thought of that would have to be from a delusional well, person. One of the interviews they have on there, Clarence, they have a young lady and I, uh, I, I don't remember if she was in the air force had been in the air force or something like that. And she even said right there, she said, if this was an insurrection, it's gotta be the poorest planned insurrection that I've ever heard of or seen. So, Yes, it was, you know, that is a word that one side throws out because they want to try to bring down somebody else. But the majority, there was a big group of people that went in that their mindset probably wasn't any more than mine was as a kid. Hey, I get to go into Capitol building and let's see what's going on and see if somebody will listen to us. We would just want to say that we're not happy with things going. And that's probably the extent of it. I wanted to ask you a question. You said they were they were invited a in, security guard and then the I think you answered it later. They show pictures of of, of some people beating on doors. There might have been there was At two different I, sides. I, I apparently. think. I mean, okay. There was two different okay. sides. That's why they do need to release all the footage, and you know the American people are kept in the dark too much by both parties and by the apparatus. Sure. And it's really it's really unforgivable. Uh, there should be maximum transparency. Well, we've got great things going on. They always hide behind it's a security issue. Right. And I, I know that well because when I worked uh, as a teacher, anything that administration or the teachers, anything, any side, time they wanted it to push their side of an argument, they would just say it's a safety issue. They were taught to do that. It's just a damn lie. Well, it's like and, calling people racist now. They don't. They know you may not be racist. They don't care. They just they call you that. What defense do you have to say you're not? Well, you have every defense to say you're not. Well, you, you have say. every right to. But just by them calling you a racist probably points to the fact that they're racist. They're cognizant of it. Right. They're fi- they're fixated on it. I would agree with that. But I think the big issue is for people to, to, to not even focus on it. I mean, who cares? It's just a distraction. You know it's, a, it's, a, it's a, uh, a diversionary issue to divert you away from a meaningful point. So apparently, I mean, maybe it works. It never works for me. If I hear somebody called somebody else a racist, I just think it's absolutely meaningless. It doesn't mean anything anymore. Well, it's got to that point. It's chicken little. Yeah. It's chicken yeah, little. Yeah, they've, they've wore it out. So. Yep. And I don't even know, I mean, what, what is a racist? If you look, look in Webster's, it's, I, think, I think the primary definition used to be uh, when someone thinks one race is superior to another. Right. Well, there are a good many people that don't like other groups of people, but they don't dislike them because they think that they're superior 
to that group of people. They just don't like them. Or they're not comfortable with them. They're not comfortable with them. And I've always said that, that uh, especially with immigrants from other countries, if they're here, they don't, they feel more comfortable around their own people. And I'll give you a prime example with all this. And by the way, you're in the teaching profession. Go check out, I think it was LSU, Louisiana State. I think it was one of the first ones that put the definition out there, basically saying only white people can be racist, which is a crock. But well, yeah, they say, yeah, I've, I've had that discussion. You know, they say other people are racialist, whatever the hell that means. I never heard that one before, but yeah, I'll give you an well, example. If we do anything that they think we've got in advantage, whatever it might be, or they want to, you know, just get into it with them, with us, or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, you know, their thing is, oh, you don't have enough minority. Let's say you're, you own a business and you don't have enough black people or Hispanic people or whatever they want to pick on. And, you know, all heck goes, breaks loose. And, you know, maybe you have get a lawsuit. You got to defend that, whatever. You know, where I used to live there in Norwalk, there was a McDonald's there on Imperial by the 605 freeway. And there was a time where you could go into that McDonald's and there were, if they had one white person there, now, you might see one white person down there. It was almost all minority. Uh, how come nobody's picking out and picking him well, outside of there? All right. But if we can just make it a little more basic. Okay. Okay. There are racists all over the place. And it goes in all kinds of different directions. That's right. If if I'm if I'm if I'm in Japan, I have no idea if they're racist at large. <laughs> Okay, they probably aren't consciously, but I am a minority there. Right. And I don't have the network there. And I'm sure that I could point to all of them and say Japanese privilege. You don't speak the language. I don't speak the language. And I guess someone that was born into that system and born into that culture and had family and friends and connections. They, they might have some privilege that I don't have, if you want to define that as privilege. Right. I mean, really, it's just an obstacle that, that I have to overcome. But I sort of recognize that from my position in America, that if I go there, I might have some obstacles to deal with. I think that's probably been true of all societies over all time. If I showed up, if I showed up in Australia, you know, and decided I was going to be an Aborigine (laughs) and, you know, tried to blend in with the tribe, I might have, I might have difficulty in certain areas because I didn't grow up acculturated to their ways. Right, right. And with the network. So I really just... I don't deny that there are always network privileges if you're in network, wherever you are. But I just don't know why it's a point of fixation. Well, it's been weaponized because that gets somebody some money. Somebody, some of the activists get out and if they call you certain things or make certain allegations, they know that uh, instead of, you know, it's easier for you to pay them off than it is to fight it. And... I was going to say with politics, there's three things that have put it, helped put us where we're at. Number one, you have all, the biggest one is you have a whole bunch of people that are apathetic for years that didn't care about politics, didn't want to, they weren't involved. So they, you know, they didn't see it affecting them directly. They didn't understand how that 
their taxes and everything else is affected. So they weren't interested. And then you have extremes either for or against politics, either not wanting anything to do with it, hating anything to do with it. And then you got the people that understand and love politics. So sometimes it's hard to mix uh, those communities, I guess. Yeah. Hey, we're getting a little bit we're getting a little bit broad here. Can we jump back on? You were talking about politics. Were 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 we going to chase down the Kevin McCarthy sure. issue? Sure. Should should he or I mean, should those transcripts be released publicly or not? Oh, I agree. I mean, too. Too. Okay. So why the hell the special privilege for Tucker Carlson, Fox News, and Rupert Murdoch? Well, how? How, and I know you don't like Murdoch. And I pointed that side. I hope you read my one email I told you. I don't know that I do or don't like him. I always, all I know is what we see in well, snippets. No, but my, if you saw my one email I sent you, uh, there's a few people, and Tucker Carlson, Han, Sean Hannity, probably Jesse Waters at this point, maybe a few others, that Murdoch doesn't tell them what to say on their shows. Hannity's radio show is on a different network altogether. So are you saying that that uh, that Murdoch doesn't influence what they say on the show? Not as much as you might think. Oh, not as much as you might think. That might be not that he might not influence them at all. Might not. Might not. Does but, he sign would, Okay, how would you release it then? Like, you know, there's thousands of hours of footage. So how would you? I would just put it, it I, I would just put it on a website and say, have at it. There it is. Log in to www.january6.video.com. Okay. That's a lot of footage. Do you have time to watch dot. thousands of hours of footage? We will see. I I think Tucker will do a good job of putting it out there for whatever reason. Oh, he well, got it, okay. Wait, what you think? What knows. you think doesn't matter. What I think doesn't matter. The thing is, is should Tucker, Fox News, and Rupert Murdoch have primacy over the American public? McCarthy said he was going to release it to the public. He didn't say that it was going to be curated through Tucker, Fox News, and Rupert Murdoch. And I might remind you that Fox News is a subscription, a paid subscription-based program. Why can't I see him? Why can't I catch him on public TV? You don't have Fox News? No. No. That's a subscription. Oh, you don't have cable. No. Have How cable. about that? I don't pay for cable. That's my point. I do not no. pay for cable. Therefore, I do not have access to Fox News. Now, what is your point? I don't. When you say subscription, I'm looking at like Fox Nation, where I pay an extra fee to have those. I don't care if you've got to pay. I don't. I, I, I don't care if you have to pay seven cents. Okay. If it's going right, to well, gonna be different. if it's going to be released to the public, it ought to be released on a government website with each individual being able to access that and see all the footage they want. Now, do we know we, that they're not, do we know he's not going to do that? We know he hasn't. He hasn't. We know he hasn't. Okay. We know that he said that he was going to release the footage to the public. That was. Now, why the, aren't you complaining about Nancy Pelosi who never released it in two years? Who cares? What do I care about her? She's a done deal. She's got nothing for me. She'll never listen to me. She we never really she is. Who cares? Aren't you the aren't you the famous guy that talks about whataboutism? Yeah. Who cares? It's me. Why why is that relevant to the quality to the quality of job 
McCarthy is not doing. Why is Nancy okay. Pelosi being compared to McCarthy? What, are we just going to waste time talking no, about bullshit? I just asked you a question. Hey, what about what about uh, what about Cardinal uh, Mahoney? Can we come up with some complaints about him? What does that got to do with what we're talking about? No, no kidding. That's my point. He wasn't Speaker of the House. (laughs) So if you you can make all the excuses you want for him, that's the problem we have with politics. Is everybody everybody wants to protect their camp? Well, my position is that it's inexcusable. Right, he he should live up to what he stated he's going to do, and I provided you the way for him to do it. Just put it on a government website. Okay, it's that now, simple. Now, now, so I'm somebody out here, and I would say, well, is that the only thing he's got to do? He's got he's only been there a couple months, not even two months yet. He's got a whole bunch of other stuff that's probably more important than that. It's important to us. But it's also something that happened two years ago. That yeah, we should get to the bottom. Of it. We should. Are there people? Hearing. Are there are there people sitting in jail right now because of it? Are there people awaiting? Yes, trial? there are. That, sh- that shouldn't be. I agree. Okay. Oh well, then why is that not important to you? I I didn't. You're talking about. All right, tell me what he has to do that's more important. I don't know all the jobs he has, but I'm sure there are, there are things. How he's important? Got to work how now. important? Tell me what's more important to you then. Well, for one what, thing, the hear the hearings he's got going, which they are doing. What things are more important? How, how large of a staff does he have? I don't know. Do you, Do you think it's a big deal to uh, to put those things on a website? I mean, if they can all be pulled together and released to to Tucker, yes, how hard is it? To, how hard is it to put them on a website? It takes quite a bit. That many hours of something, yes, that would take quite a bit. More than uh, uh, more than turning them over to Tucker. If Tucker's got the staff to do it, that's what I said. Maybe they put the money. I said, we'll what put does the money the, up to what, do it. What does the staff need to do? Creating a how, website. How large? How large? How large of a server does it take to accommodate the uh, those thousands of hours of footage? I, I would say quite a bit. I'd say quite a bit. I, I I do some web design on it, but I know it takes a lot to create some. Now, yes, they, you could say they've already got the congressional website and everything. That there's there should be somewhere they can put that there. Okay. So remember, they've got a little more security than you and I do. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot they've got to go with. Let's see if they get it done. If he's in the process. Well, did they have to do any of that before they turned it over to Tucker? I don't know what they had. Like I said, I don't know what they turned over to. I'll do some homework on it. I don't know what they well, turned no, over no, 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 You're no. the I'm first saying, one that told me about it. I'm just saying if it can be turned over to Tucker, why can't it be put on a website? You know, why can't the public see it if Tucker can see it, if Rupert Murdoch can see it? See, I'm not buying the bullshit. Okay. That's all. You're also not recognizing that there may be other things that maybe they're in the process. And, and what may they be? Uh, the big stall? They'll be in the process for the next 17 years? <laughs> we'll find out. We'll find well, out. Well, so obviously, these are a few things we're going to be discussing in upcoming shows. Well, let's talk about weak politicians when they're weak. And okay. the guy's weak. Period. End of story. Weak. So, you know, I don't know why you would care about excusing it. 
I'm not excusing. No, makes no sense to me. Well, you're make you're apologizing for it. I'm not you're apologizing. Making, you're saying making I, excuses. I said I don't know. There's a difference. We could talk forever about what you don't know. Based on what you do know, should there not be more pressure for him to release it, or should there not be a better explanation of why it's not being released? Other than, okay, I'm going to do my job. I'm turning it over to Tucker, and I'm going to let Tucker curate it. I mean, it's almost insulting. Tucker is not a public employee. He's not a, he, I did not vote for Tucker. That I, I might like Tucker. That has nothing to do with it. Good. That should be in the public domain. Okay. We should have transparency in government. So that what we do, what we will do a show on then is the ways that government can be more transparent with anything, not just that. Well, yeah. I, this would be a big be, subject. They should be, tra- they, should they, should they, should have, yeah, there's a lot of things that should be released, right? There's a lot of things, there's a lot of things that, that they, they don't want to share always because it's a security issue. Whose security? Yep. My well, security, your security. All I got to give you is two words for that or two words what? on an issue. John F. Kennedy. Yeah. Should, should all that be released? Supposedly, you know, one minute they say it is, one minute it's not, or what report? Do you trust that report? Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's something okay. for us to get into. We've got a whole bunch of other ones, but this, is, ladies and gentlemen, will be the start of where we're going to go with the Weed Whacker podcast. You can see there's a whole lot of weeds out there that need some whacking. And I know Clarence is going to be joining me to whack a bunch of those weeds. And I'll be bringing some other people in here too. And we're going to whack some weeds. You want to come in here? Send me an email, coachmike at coachmikenow.com. Again, coachmike at coachmikenow.com. You want to whack some weeds? Let me hear from you. Clarence, thanks for joining me. And we're going to be doing this again. My pleasure. You have a great day. Yes, sir. for listening to the Weed Whacker podcast. If you would like to join Coach Mike to discuss an issue important to your life, send us an email to coachmike at coachmikenow.com. Tell us about your issue and how it is affecting your life. Give us your first and last name, phone number, and email address, and we will contact you regarding scheduling. Coach Mike will use only your first name unless you request your full name in the podcast. Also, please visit CoachMikeNow.com to sign up for Coach Mike's weekly newsletter. You can also visit Coach Mike's Clubhouse on Locals.com. There you can choose to follow Coach Mike, or if you want access to more content, become a member of Coach Mike's Clubhouse to get certain members-only content. Thanks again for listening. God bless you as you whack those weeds out of your life and move forward to success.